Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mindset Mill podcast. I am joined today with a very, very special and inspiring person. I'm joined with Vic. Vic is a food freedom and body image coach. She is one of my phenomenal clients, and Vic has an incredible story and so much knowledge. And a lot of the time, I actually ask her for her opinion on a lot of the things that I will be helping my own clients to to deal with. And so I am super excited for this episode because to anyone who's had issues with disordered eating, emotional eating, or body image issues, or people who don't necessarily put maybe their health ahead of their aesthetic goals, this is the podcast for you because it's definitely going to change things. So I will start off with allowing Vic to introduce herself because she has so much experience and so much knowledge that I want her to give a little bit of her backstory for everyone to listen to. Thank you, Mills, for that wonderful intro. And hi, everyone. I'm Victoria Kleinsman. If you don't already know me, because I am part of Millie's team and we've done an Instagram live together before. And as Millie said, I'm a food freedom and body image coach. And my tagline, if you like, is I help high achieving women who can't stick to a diet anymore to feel normal around food and to love themselves. So that's what I do. And I absolutely love what I do as well. I'm obsessed. Yes, you are super, super passionate. And it really does show like even, for example, at our Christmas party, there were a lot of fellow team members who were perhaps going through more difficult times. And just your words, Vic, like every single time that I was about to say something, you'd kind of like chip in with something to say. And it felt like everything that was in my brain had already just been spoken. So I think it's so nice that we really do share the same values when it comes to allowing people to focus on their health, their well-being, and also how to provide them with these coping mechanisms when it comes to you know eliminating that kind of um that stress and that pressure that a lot of people feel to need to look a certain way and we have really worked together even in your journey to make sure that we are just allowing you to facilitate your training performance goals as much as possible and to allow you to live your happy and healthy lifestyle with minimal focus on body composition and it's super empowering to be able to work with you in that way because that's why I started going to the gym. That's why I started training. It wasn't necessarily to look a certain way. It was to get strong. And so I really want to kind of um, delve a little bit deeper into perhaps like giving a bit of a backstory in terms of your journey, how you found, found yourself doing what you want today. Absolutely. I will keep a very long story as short as possible because I know we've got so much juice and value to cover in this episode. So quick rundown of my life story. I started dieting at the age of nine using it before it was before the weight loss apps and all those things so I had like a, a cardboard calculator for weight watchers and you had, you could work out your points and things like that I remember that so vividly um started dieting at nine it, I was doing it with my mom and she was thinking she was helping me but of course it's not really that helpful helping a nine-year-old start to learn about body image and losing weight and all of those things. And then so when I was 13, I got diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Now, I was in denial for a very long time, which if anyone has experienced this, you will resonate because you don't want to admit that you're basically slowly killing yourself. That's ultimately what it what it was, what it is. And I was stuck in that for around two and a half years. I did get better physically, meaning that as medical, I weighed enough to be medically okay. But as you know, Millie, it's all in, in the mind. It's not just a case of, okay, now you your, your weight restored, you can go off into the world and like live your life. So I did really struggle mentally for many years after that. Fast forward to when I was 19, I find myself in a mentally, physically abusive relationship, um, hit daily, rape daily, 
just it was awful it was I was there for six years and then I turned to food as my comfort and it was literally one extreme to the other so I was anorexic as a teen and then as I was with this guy from the age of 19 I developed binge eating disorder and so it really was a case of the extremes which is linked to my personality as well I used to be all or nothing black or white and that kind of really showed and manifested in this with my eating and so I put a lot of weight on very quickly he made me dye my hair black because apparently blondes get more attention he loved the fact that I would get bigger because again this was just backing up my belief as a child if you're bigger you get less attention and so it was just re reconditioning my previous beliefs like big means bad and food means bad and skinny means good but all I had was the food to comfort me so I was in that for six years when I left that relationship, which I can smile about it now, it was like an episode of EastEnders, honestly, <laughs> I actually left. I found the gym for the first time in my life. I would have been 24, 25, around the age. And oh my God, I've always been exercising as a child. I did gymnastics. I rode horses my whole entire life. I've been very active. And when I found the gym, I remember going to a class, the first thing I ever did. And the guy was like, right, 10 burpees to warm up. And I was like, what the fuck is a burpee? <laughs> I remember I was I didn't know anything and I really got into the you know the fitness family you know how it is if you go to a gym that's got a really good atmosphere they become your family and it was great but again my personality I took it too far I lost weight very quickly I suddenly dis developed abs out of nowhere and they were just really easy to to maintain in my body shape and then it was a mixture between anorexia and binge eating and I developed bulimia so I would starve myself all day. I could usually do that till about Monday to Wednesday. And then in the evenings, I would just go to Tesco and buy like probably like 50 pounds worth of food, like processed food and just eat it in secret and then starve myself again the next day and then take laxatives, severely over-exercise, severely over-train, bike to work, bike back to work, go to the gym two times a day. I remember getting up at 3 a.m. one time to go for a 10K run before a two-hour flight because I didn't want to sit down for two hours. Like, that was the extreme. And then how did I end up doing what I do today is when I was 30, I went to Egypt on holiday. This is like a love story, guys, so get ready. I, I met love a this story. <laughs> so random, isn't it? I met a Dutchman in Egypt on holiday and after the holiday he said to me oh, I'm gonna come to England every weekend to see you honestly I was like thanks for the sex bye in all honesty like because how is it gonna work I promised my family I would never leave them again after being in that abusive relationship not going to my sister's wedding being disconnected from my family and friends I said I would never leave again he came to England every weekend for three months Every Friday he flew to, to England and he left to fly back to Holland every Monday. And I was like, okay, wow. Fell madly in love, came to the Netherlands a few times and loved it here. Followed my heart, which made no sense because I was in a job that I quite liked. I was living back with my mom after a breakup and obviously selling the house. And I was like, Do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? I'll come home. So here I still am. He introduced me to personal development, which I then found spirituality through personal development, hired a coach myself, studied psychology, the science in nutrition, spirituality, got certified. And here I am. And my niche now is the old me four years ago. That's the type of woman I help. And that's it. That's where I am today. 
it's, <laughs> it's just the most phenomenal story because like just to summarize anorexia binge eating bulimia domestic abuse like every single possible hurdle that sometimes just one of those you know that we individually encounter for me it was binge eating is life consuming and you've gone through all of these yourself Vic and you have found yourself you know on this other end and what a kind of like savior it was to you to meet Valta and to be able to get to this point where you have been introduced to, to healing your body to healing your mind and not a lot of people are so lucky to have someone you know really kind of pull them out of that place where they are and I think that's why we both do what we do now because we've you know had our past experiences where it's been massively painful and actually you know kind of like asking for help and 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 stepping out taking that first step is the most important thing that we've done and I think it takes a, a while to get to the point where you realize actually that whatever's going on when it comes to say your relationship with food or however you might be punishing yourself with over-exercising, there has to be a breaking point because Mm. a lot of people will just continue to do that because they're in pursuit of a certain body composition related goal, or perhaps it's some form of control to them because unfortunately, you know, you didn't have control in that domestic abuse situation. You didn't feel like you had control when it came to how your mindset was kind of ruling your relationship with food. So we cling on to these things that are actually self-sabotaging, but there has, it has to come to this big kind of like climax. At some point, there is going to be something that causes you to think, right, no, this is enough. Something needs to change. And I think that's kind of where we see as coaches, we're on that end when someone's got to that point. Mm. But it's it's talking about that kind of, you know, you're no longer willing to trade your health for these self-sabotaging things that, you know, consciously you might not know why you do. So in my opinion, I think it's really, really important for people to perhaps zone in a little bit sooner and to have that self-awareness before they reach that, you know, that really, really difficult point where they're just like, what the hell am I doing to myself or what is going on before they reach out for help? And that's kind of what I'd like us to delve a little bit deeper into as to how we can allow people to maybe notice those patterns and how to, you know, ask for help when they might be in a similar situation to what we'd both experienced. Absolutely. And you're spot on there, Millie. I refuse to give up for so long. Like this is why my tagline is I help high achieving women because I was such an overachiever. Nothing was ever good enough. And that served me very well. And I know you're quite similar. Like that serves serves us very well in some in some places um, of our life because we're striving to be the best and we get results. But for me, over time, in regards to my body and food, it got to a point where no matter how much I wanted to diet or how much I wanted to lose weight, I, f- I physically couldn't. I was sat binging my face off in my car, like parked down the street. So my fiance didn't know what I was eating. Then I'd come home and be like, yeah, I'm not very hungry for dinner because I've eaten like 10,000 calories in like half an hour in the car down the road or in the toilet, like when he would have a shower, I'd quickly like, I mean, I laugh about it now, but it's not funny at the time, but I can laugh now. I would frantically look in the bin to get the brownies that I diced in washing up liquid the night before and like try and go and eat them in the toilet. Like I remember that my breaking point was I sat down on the floor crying and I said to myself, I'm scared of my own thoughts. I'm actually scared of myself. I think I need to go into like a psychiatric hospital or something and that was when I was like do you know what I am so done 
with trying to get smaller because number one, I can't even do it anymore. I can't even be successful at that. And number two, I cannot carry on like this anymore. So I think, you know, you don't have to get, please don't get to that point before you reach out to help. So to answer your question, Millie, and it's really good that you brought this up because as we go through this conversation, I think it's really worth noting that when I speak about what I'm going to speak about, I'm predominantly speaking to those that are binge eating, emotional eating, and it's having a negative impact on their life. I'm not just here to slate diets because some people like Millie as well, you you enjoy what you do. A lot of people that will be consuming this podcast are really hyped up and, and are loving the fitness industry and the diet. And that is great. I mean that from my heart. I'm speaking to the women and men who are stuck in this diet binge cycle. And no matter what they do, they can't stop and they think there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. I promise you, you're just fighting your biology at this point and your biology will always win. Yeah, I I really, really like want to emphasize how much I 1010% agree with what Vic is saying here, because when you are in the midst of, you know, dealing with emotional eating, binge eating, there is zero scope, zero, if you want to overcome that, to be focusing on body composition. There is no, like, the, the way to overcome it is to ditch any form of nutritional restriction, tracking, get rid of it. And this is something which I know super closely because I've gone through it. Yes, I got to the point where when I decided to focus on body composition again, I was able to dial into being mindful of, you know, the fact that I could track or perhaps, you know, restrict as required again. And actually it was you know, I was in a good enough headspace to allow and facilitate that, but it doesn't mean that that works for everyone. And I 1000% know this, those who have battled for a prolonged period, such as you have, you know, Vic, throughout your whole life, it's difficult to sometimes, it's just difficult to be able to diet safely again. And that's something where me as a coach, when I have someone who, you know, inquires with me and they have perhaps a really long history of disordered eating and perhaps they, imply that this is a little bit more serious then they just you know go to the cookie cupboard every so often if they're feeling a bit bored that is when I have to differentiate does this person need more thorough mm-hmm. you know specialized help to the point where I'll you know recommend them to you or someone who is also much more well versed in that and I won't take them on because for me as a coach I will never put someone's body composition goals ahead of their headspace their mental health and their mindset so I just want to make sure that we are clarifying the fact that when someone's going through something as serious as disordered eating that is the first port of call and there is zero way that body composition ever comes above that Mm, I love that you said that so much Millie because my you know one of the the notes I'd wrote down to make sure I get this in to this episode is you cannot heal your relationship with food and your body whilst pursuing fat loss you absolutely cannot like the amount of times during my journey the last diet I did and I think again it's worth noting that whenever I use the word diet all I mean by that is controlling your food so you lose weight that's what I mean by dieting so the last diet in quotes that I went on was the love yourself to lose weight diet because I thought if I can just love me and accept my body as how I am then I'll naturally just only want to eat clean foods and I'll never want to eat chocolate again and of course that's still restriction and due to my history it's not safe for me to diet. And so I've chosen the path of healing my relationship with food and my body. And there's always a trade-off 
for that though. So I don't know if you're ready to go into the reality of the trade-off of if those listening may be thinking, okay, I may, I think I do have a problem. That's okay. You are not alone. Reach out to me and me or Millie or both of us because we get it. And you have to make a decision here because this is the hardest thing that I had to do. When I reached out for help, she said to me, you cannot pursue fat loss and heal your food and body relationship at the same time. And I was like, oh, fuck. Right. What do I want more? So it's a case of like choosing your hard, meaning you can die until you die or you can heal your relationship with food and your body. Both are hard for me and my past. Only one is worth it. And so that meant me having to mourn the loss of my previous 9% body fat body that everyone admired. Even me, I still look back at photos and I'm like, I looked awesome back then, even though, you know, my glutes were never big enough, my shoulders were never round enough, all the stuff that comes with <laughs> obsessing about our bodies. I had to write shitloads of letters and journaling and like go through meditations and cry and get angry at that body that I'm never going to have anymore because I've chosen not to diet again because I couldn't get there safely anyway. I had full blown eating disorders when I looked like that. And that was the hardest thing that I had to do. But what I have now, I can't even put into words like infinite self-love. When I look in the mirror, I don't always think I look absolutely hot or smoking, but it doesn't matter anymore. I'm really fit. I'm healthy. This is why I work with Millie. We work on eating enough vegetables, prioritizing recovery and protein, training hard as fuck, right, to get strong. That's important to me. And I know we're going to go into all the health around it as well. But what I don't choose is any form of fat loss or trying to change my body in any way, because that is not safe for me. So you have to choose. It's almost like choose your heart. Do you want to heal your relationship with food and body? Eat whatever the hell you want. Listen to your body. Prioritize health if it's important to you. But learn to love and accept your body however she ends up because she will end up a certain size and it won't change because that's your set point weight. You won't literally keep getting bigger and bigger forever, even though you think you will, I promise you won't because that it doesn't work with the science and your biology. Or, and if it's okay if you choose this too, you can choose to continue dieting and continue manipulating your food to try and change your body. And that's okay, but is it serving you? And again, I'm speaking to those who are struggling, not those who are fine and happy with what they're doing. Yeah. And this is one thing where I find it so amazing to chat through our experiences in terms of this, where Vic, you've said that you had to like mourn your leaner body, the body that you were, you know, somehow able to facilitate even through this disordered eating. Whereas for me, it was totally the opposite. When my binge eating had got really bad, I was just gaining and gaining, gaining weight. So my body image was actually getting worse with the worst Mm. that my binge eating was getting. And I'll never forget, like when I was getting therapy for my binge eating, one of the most difficult sessions ever that I had gone through was talking about body image and how I felt within myself. And, you know, for, for that session, it was in person. She asked me to stand in front of a mirror for the whole session for an hour. And she left the room and she was just like, I just want you to think about how you look. And I was literally just stood in that room for about an hour crying at my body. Right. Because she was trying to get me to look at myself and to kind of say, I, ha- I was thinking I've got big legs and she said 
now rephrase that and I said well I have strong legs they help me Mm. to you know train and to squat and it was the more that I looked at myself and got upset the more we tried to kind of reinforce that with positive affirmations and yes it was terrifying when I was told to stop tracking food and when I was told that I needed to stick to uh, a kind of guidance of a meal plan where I'd eat frequently enough throughout the day to nourish my body and to allow myself foods that I enjoyed so I thought that I was eating more technically I wasn't because the binging was becoming less frequent but initially my my because I gave myself that food freedom to eat foods that I enjoyed and also to eat more throughout the day you know physiologically my hunger hormones weren't punching me in my face anymore and so inadvertently I ended up eating less over time but actually yes for the first few weeks my scale weight did get a little bit higher but then over time you actually if you're fueling yourself enough throughout the day and consistently and you're not binging as often your body composition actually does change as you've said to become your natural set point weight and it's technically a little bit more favorable than when it was in the place where I was binging every single day so I think this is so important for people to recognize is that yes it's fucking hard and I spent 10 to 12 weeks of every single session crying and still trying to track my my food whilst I was told not to track anything and I was fighting those inner demons but actually trusting the process and trusting my therapist or my coach, I suppose, at the time got me to that point where I finally had, you know, the I finally got to the point where food wasn't controlling my life anymore and controlling every single thought. And that's one thing which I don't think anyone, unless you've been there, you realize how much of a prison it is that every single moment in your brain is just mm. thinking about food. And also I used to lie in bed at night and then run when I stopped tracking. I would still like micro chat track where I'd be like running through in my food and like counting up calories, like running through my running through the food in my head that I'd eaten the night before. And then when I'd had breakfast, I was like, right, what's for lunch? And it's that obsession with food. And like over the we've just had the Christmas time. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but as we're recording, it's just kind of the beginning of January. We've just had Christmas. The old me would have been like, right, fuck it, button eat everything just because I can, because I'm going to start dieting on January the 1st. And then I would be in dieting for about a week and then I would start binging again and the cycle continues. So I think it's really key again to just explain that if it's having a negative impact on your life, it's really helpful to reach out for help. Like don't struggle alone. The scariness of potential weight gain is real. I remember, especially when I was anorexic, I would rather have a family member die than me put on weight. I was petrified of weight gain. And if I can work through this and be happy at the size I am, anyone can, because it's all about the choice between you might not even gain weight, as Millie says, when you stop binge eating, some clients of mine actually lose weight because it's not about calories. We don't count calories. We don't weigh ourselves. But if you're thinking you're probably eating 10,000 calories in a binge, if you're eating frequently throughout the day and nourishing yourself, as Millie so wisely said, you're not going to be binge eating. So you'll actually probably lose weight. Some clients gain weight if they're undernourished and if they're under their set point weight, some clients stay the same weight. It's facing the fear of the potential weight gain, but what's worth it? Healing your relationship with food and your body, it's worth it to me. Yeah, and it's the best thing that I ever did as well. So if we can't convince you enough, then I don't know who can because our stories are pretty, yeah, pretty intense. So like, let's talk about this, which I've spoken about, 
plenty of times and I even recorded a, a podcast with Erin Thompson about this which is kind of talking about the fear of weight gain now it is one thing which has continuously throughout my whole career as being a coach and also my whole time being in the fitness industry and you know manipulating my body composition so that you know I'm gaining muscle tissue I'm gaining weight and then you know going through the cycles of you know dieting etc the bodybuilding stuff but it's always been a bit of a mental battle to the point where now actually it's not and I love my body regardless of whatever freaking shape size or you know whatever it is I love it and I am really grateful for it and my health and one thing that spurred that you know on is the fact that I've actually had a lot of you know health implications previously which really make me to like help me to realize that as long as my body's healthy and it operates that's all I care about I don't care about what it looks to other people or even in the mirror whatever the body fat percentage is now I have plenty of clients who have come to me in the position where their health is not in the best place in terms of their female hormones and perhaps where they should be and we have had blood tests done etc and there is nothing other than gaining weight or gaining body fat, which is going to help to improve this. And still it's so much of a mental battle for them to be able to comprehend because for some reason we associate body fat percentage so much with almost like our value and our worth and what other people think about us. So why is it Vic? Why is it that people are so scared to gain weight? Oh, okay. Let me try and rein this in so I could talk for hours about this. In a nutshell, we are brainwashed from being in the womb through our mothers, mothers and our mothers and all of those to see skinny, thin, as attractive, lovable, sexy, all the things we already know, which is why most of us are striving to be smaller. It does change over time. Like I think now it's, is it big bum, tight abs? And then like in the nineties, it was just as thin as possible. Like it does change like a fashion. It's all to do with what we're being told and how we're conditioned growing up. And as you know, Millie, from the age of zero to the age of seven, Everything that we see, hear, experience, witness without us consciously knowing, that's our unconscious mind as an adult. It's like the the software on your phone, like Android is Samsung, iOS is iPhone. We all have our own software and it's from childhood. Whether you like it or not, take a look at the patterns that you're playing out in your adult life, in relationships, your relationship with food, how you feel towards your body. It's because of what you've experienced as a child. And then that continues into our adult life with weight loss adverts and even, you know, perfume adverts. It's like this gorgeous, sexy woman, like walking naked or whatever it is about with this incredibly hot man. It's always about the body. And we're slowly going away from that, which I think is really key for society in the future. But it's okay to be so scared of, fatness it's called fat phobia because every single thing in your life is mirroring back to you fat is bad and thinness and leanness is is good and so there's a reason why it's not just we've not just made it up so to get to the root of that it's all to do with self-love self-worth separating your self-worth from your body image knowing that you're more than your body knowing that if we bring the word sexy into it sexy is a feeling and an energy it's not a body size or shape it's like when we look in the mirror and pick ourselves apart all we're doing is zooming in on our physical body like skin bone muscle whatever You're forgetting what others see about you, the way you smile, the cute little thing you do with your nose or your expression, your energy, the way you move, like you're forgetting who you really are. 
And so there's loads of layers to this, isn't there? It's so true. Like I literally love how much you've consolidated it there because it's so true. And the other thing, which I think is so important for people to realize is until they've been in a body composition that is very, very lean, whether that's intentional. Well, I suppose it always is intentional, even if you've kind of like, you know, been victim to some kind of eating disorder, which at the time it's intentional that you are trying to get smaller, um, although not necessarily inflicted, you know, onto you in the optimal manner, as in like, at least when I was going through a prep, it was my choice. It was my conscious choice to be doing that. And it wasn't due to an illness. But regardless of that, what I mean is when you're in an extremely lean body composition, do you fuck feel sexy? <laughs> Nothing about it is sexy. You feel skinny, you feel bony, you feel weak, you feel fragile. And there's nothing about that which is empowering. And so the fact that this is glamorized on social media through all of these TV advertisements and things like that, it's something which really frustrates me because yes, someone can say, you know, this is, you know, the typical perfect kind of beach body. You know, you go on, I don't know, I was looking for bikinis the other day. I went onto the Opoly website and I was looking at these women and I was just like, these proportions don't look like a real woman. And I was watching really closely and I was like, I genuinely think that these models must have had a lot of work done because I've never seen a body that looks like this. And I'm a freaking online coach. I see hundreds of checking pictures a week. So like, it's one of those the things model, where it's- Sorry, the model wouldn't, won't look like that because she's also been airbrushed. So she doesn't even look like that herself. Yeah, yeah, literally. It's massively frustrating to see that. And I want people to really like, from this to have something tangible when it comes to how they can go away and separate you know what they feel like they want to look like or they should look like and then how they can really allow themselves to zone into their value what's important to them and detach that kind of body composition related you know goal or thing that they look to be the best because it is really difficult to do unless you almost have little examples. And we spoke about this before in terms of like the self-love toolkit, which I think Mm. is really phenomenal. And a lot of people can take this, um, take these kind of exercises away and methods to be able to implement them because it's something that I never had before. And the only reason that I realized I actually value my body, whatever the shape, whatever the size is because one, I've been very, very unhealthy before, you know, due to, disordered eating but also due to chronic illness and then also having gone through a bodybuilding prep you know I felt you know really really rough during that and only now when I'm you know 20 pounds above stage weight or whatever the hell it is do I feel freaking fantastic I feel productive I do feel sexy I feel happy to have my curves and that I I know I'm happy but I also don't care whether I'm five kilos heavier or five kilos lighter but this is something until someone maybe has all of this experience they'll always be wondering, oh, but what if, you know, I was smaller? And so that's why I want to kind of zone in on these, these kind of examples that we have that people can help to really, really tune into how they can love themselves regardless of whatever their body composition is at. Yeah, great. some great journaling questions. Number one, and I always ask this when I have a potential client intake call, I always say, okay, if I had a magic wand and I magically waved it and you were at your magic ideal weight for you or body size for you, how would your life be different? And one of two things happen. Usually they'll just be like, 
um, and then probably name like one thing. And then, then I'm like, okay, well already that's showing that you want this, like you want this, what need to lose weight, need to lose weight. And then actually, if it's given to you, how will your life be different? Or they start reading things off. Like I would feel confident enough to wear a bathing suit. I would feel sexy in the bedroom. And then after all of that, I'm like, do you know that we can work on all of those things without you even having to lose weight? It is so possible and it doesn't feel possible for them because when when you change on the inside everything outside changes you don't know what you don't know so if someone had told me my old self four years ago Victoria in four years time you'd be the heaviest you've ever been and you'll you'd love yourself so much and you won't give a shit about your what people think about your body you'd be wearing what the hell you want I would have been like that is absolutely no way that's even possible for me because I cannot like my body unless I am lean. But when you do this deep work, things start to shift for you. You start to change your perception on what it means to look in the mirror and like your body. A great, another journal exercise you can do is write down this sentence and finish it. It's not the end of the world that I don't love the look of my body because dot, dot, dot. And then another question, it's not the end of the world that other people don't find my body attractive because, and that's a difficult exercise to do. And you will come face to face with the root problem of all of this, because let's take it in a, in a ladder style. The first problem in quotes is your binge eating out of control, emotional eating. Just you think there's something wrong with you underneath that is because you've been chronically restricting or dieting for many years with a very restrictive mindset. You've been restricting physically, mentally, emotionally. Your body's like fucking feed me and it's going to override your willpower because biology always wins in the end. Underneath you wanting to diet because you're not happy with your body and how it looks underneath the body image is you do not feel good enough as you are else you wouldn't have gone on that diet however many years ago unless you're into a sport like bodybuilding which is completely different to just wanting to lose weight to feel like you fit in to feel like you'll get more attention from men and the fucked up thing is you do get more attention from men, from women. You do get praise. When I was so lean, I had like literally like a fan club at the gym, like, oh, the machine, here she is. And my ego loved that. But here's the thing. When we allow external things to, to light us up or to make us feel good about ourselves, we will never be happy because it needs to come from within. And I know that might sound a bit like spiritual or woo-woo or a bit like not very tangible, but I promise you, if you commit to self-love work and body image work, you will, you'll understand what I'm saying. Yes, we like a compliment. Of course we do. We're human. I'm not going to pretend that we don't like attention. Like I like to be realistic, but is the attention and all that you think a smaller body will bring you, is that worth you struggling with your relationship to food and your body like for the rest of your life I just realized that I don't want to be 70 year 70 years old counting fucking almonds and weighing peanut butter that's not for me yeah I I completely agree when I'm when I'm 70 years old I'm who knows maybe maybe I'll still be you know trying to be super muscular and strong in the gym but whether I'll be stepping on a bodybuilding stage and needing to count almonds is a different story but one thing that is really important there off the back of what you just said Vic is when you maybe are in that position where you're in that favored body composition and you find that other people are giving you more attention, you know, more favorable to them, shall we say, and therefore they are giving you more attention. 
Mm. One, the reason that people will give you more attention and will kind of be more interested to look at you when you are, you know, (laughs) very low body fat percentage is because it's freaky. It's not the norm. They find it super kind of like they're very inquisitive and they're curious about it. And so they'll be Mm. like, oh, my goodness, like you, you look awesome, like because they don't often see something that looks like that. And that's for a good reason, because it's not fucking healthy. Like humans are not made to look like that. And then the other thing is there's a difference between highs and happiness. So when Mm. I was on prep, for example, I used to post a physique update to show my progress. You know, this is, you know, me leading up into my show. For me, again, like it's not, it's not like I was doing this for any other reason other than I wanted to see how I could push my body as an athlete. And so when it came to uploading those progress photos, there'd be loads of attention, you know, hundreds of likes, hundreds of comments. And yes, those were highs in terms of the fact that everyone was kind of like, oh my goodness, you're doing so well. I've got hundreds of messages of support from people. People are saying fantastic things. For instance, almost like when you get lucky in life and you have a streak of luck and everything seems to be going your way, but that's not the norm. So if you don't have a normal kind of like good relationship with you, you don't have a good, like a good amount of self-awareness and you don't have a solid amount of fulfilling things that you do for your purpose and things that make you happy in life then when those highs go, it feels like a massive low because you don't have that baseline kind of happiness. And so I've seen a lot of people after their shows and after competing, you know, they'll say they've been massively kind of like uh, disconnected and they feel very isolated because they're not getting as much attention, but they didn't make the effort during that time to maintain their relationships with other people and to make sure that there was that baseline happiness. The same thing, you know, when everything's going your way in life and suddenly, I don't know, your car breaks down or it gets totaled or something like that, then you feel like everything is against you. And actually it's having that stability of, you know, being self-aware, having that constant kind of happiness where you can fulfill that for yourself. That stops you really, really putting so much focus on these external factors and, you know, almost kind of like relying on them to provide you that happiness. Once that's gone and you don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks about your body composition, I don't care if you think I look amazing. I don't care if you think I look shit. I just care about what I think I look like. And I know that I feel and look good. So I'm happy. Yeah. Happiness is created from within for sure. And there was a a quote that's just come to mind. I think it was by, oh, I can't think of a name, but it was a really good quote. And let me try not to annihilate it now. I've half remembered it. She said, if you rely on nourishment from others, you'll forever be hungry. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Yes, which is so key. So the baseline happiness that you describe, I love that because life on life terms, right? Not, I'm not happy, like really happy every single day. Most of the time I am because I choose to be, but I'm also human and have emotions, but I allow myself to feel that, maybe journal, feel it and then let it go and then choose to prioritize gratitude and all those things. It's always a choice. But when weight loss uh, weight gain comes well weight loss and weight gain when weight loss comes you'll get complimented which again we like to receive compliments as humans but receive it gracefully but just notice first of all before you change anything as Millie said awareness notice how that makes you feel when you receive a compliment about your body are you like on an actual high are you like buzzing through your day? Has it made your week? Or is it just like, oh, thank you. And then you just move on with your day because 
the more aware you become of how much that that has an effect on you, then you can start to delve a bit deeper. And like when one last thing I wanted to say about helping you do to deal with weight gain is another journal prompt, because I clearly love journaling, is I've gained weight and I've gained weight and I've got my period back. I've gained weight and now I don't binge. I've gained weight and now I can have spontaneous date nights. Yeah, that's a great that's- one to do as well that's phenomenal like genuinely like I I remember actually that's reminded me I wrote an Instagram post once which is almost just like how I'm dealing with weight gain and I'm pretty sure the whole list was like I feel strong I feel feminine I feel healthy I feel like I'm sleeping better like it was just all of these positive things and so yes let's not detach from the fact that it takes a while to become comfortable in a body that might change rapidly. Like that is something which even I had to, you know, deal with when it came to, you know, finishing being very lean for a competition. And it did take my eyes a little while to adjust. But regardless of that, because I valued my health and my social life so much more, I didn't care about the fact that that changed my body and the fact that I might have had to adapt it a little bit faster. Um, And I think there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves in terms of, you know, how do we need to, to, you know, manage the rate of weight gain, et cetera, and those kind of things. But there is no need to even, you know, consider that when it's your health that's in question and when you are struggling with these eating issues. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd love to delve into the health side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read like a few quotes that I've made up myself and that I've got here, because I think the quotes in itself are really powerful. Then we can dive into whatever you want to ask around that. So the first thing is removing weight loss as the goal frees up space for sustainable, healthful behaviors. That's one. My mantra to myself, self-care over self-control. And then this one I absolutely love. You'll start craving exercise and salads when you stop making them feel like punishment. Wow, that is so true. That is actually so true. It does get to that stage, right, where let's talk about, you know, when you do give yourself the unconditional permission to eat whatever you would like, however much you would like. And yes, for a good while, you can eat the more highly palatable, highly processed foods. But Mm -hmm. I've been at that point where, you reach this kind of like threshold of how much of that you're actually getting enjoyment from it. And then it's just like, do you know what? I like really just fancy some vegetables and to go on a walk today. Like actually your body naturally starts to do things that are more inclined for health further down the journey. Yes, yes, yes. It's like if we had a reset button for our brain and our body, if you reset buttoned your brain or your mind, it's negativity bias because when we were cavemen and women, we needed to look out for danger. It's problem solving. It's it's ultimately looking for problems. So your brain is a very useful tool and it takes work to rewire that through neuroplasticity. But if the reset button was pressed, it will be negative. Your body, on the other hand, wants to feel good. It wants to be healthy. It wants to be vibrant. It wants to live longer. So the most, the majority of what I do with clients is getting them to build a relationship up with their own bodies, learning the language of their bodies, honoring the body's needs. It's not just a case of, as you said, Millie, eating whatever the hell you want when you want, which you will. But you will not, no matter how much you think you will, because trust me, I've been there, you will not want to eat chocolate on the sofa forever until you die. You will think you will, and you might do that for a couple of weeks. I did it for about six weeks, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And I remember I woke up after about six weeks, and I was like, 
I want a green smoothie. And I was like, what? And the only way I got there was because I kept allowing, 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 crying because I hated my body, but sticking to the process that I paid my coach. Because I think investing in someone is so key because it encourages you to stay committed and show up to, to do the process. And I'm so glad I stuck with it because then your body starts being like, hey, now I want potatoes hey, now I actually want some salad or hey, now I want some ice cream, but I don't need a whole tub because, you know, I can have some tomorrow for breakfast if I want to. The allowance creates space for choice because dieting is not an action. It's a state of mind. Yeah. So it's all mindset. I think it's even like it, it does take a long time when you are first getting out of a disordered eating pattern, but it's also acute. Like this is one thing, which even from the check-ins that I've had with clients this week, right? Everyone's had two weeks off over Christmas. A lot of people haven't, you know, stuck to meal plans. They haven't tracked their food because I haven't told them to. I said, go and enjoy Christmas, make conscious choices that you're comfortable with. And then we will kind of get the ball rolling when you're back into a nice consistent routine because that's the way that I coach, you know, at the end of the day, unless you've got a photo shoot or a competition coming up, I'm not going to drive you into the ground to track food over Christmas because I just don't feel like that's healthy or beneficial. Your social life and spending time with your loved ones and eating mince pies is more important. So even so, like everyone's come back and in January, they've said, do you know what? Like I just, you know, felt like I'd fallen out of routine like over Christmas and I just can't wait to get back on track. Like I can't wait to get in the gym. I can't wait to get back onto my meal plan. And I'm literally the same. I think I had delivery about six times in a week because we were out traveling in different places and it was great. I had Mexican, I had sushi, I had pizza, I had everything that I wanted. But trust me when I say after the end of that week, I was just like, all I want is to sit and eat like pineapple, grapes and to make like a Thai green curry for dinner. That's all I wanted because it gets to the point where that highly palatable processed food makes you feel a little bit more lethargic, makes you feel perhaps not so um, you know vibrant when it comes to the energy within yourself. And naturally you start to look for food sources. Subconsciously, your body is kind of craving those things that are gonna fill you with the micronutrients that you need to feel good, to feel energized. And then also you want to move your body to put the, that energy to good use. And it is so natural that that happens, you know, even acutely, not necessarily only when you spend a long time overcoming, um, you know, well, allowing yourself that freedom. And as you said, that safe space to be able to have that unconditional permission to eat. And mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, one thing that is really, really important to echo is that I found my CBT therapy for overcoming binge eating even harder, even more difficult than, say, going through a bodybuilding prep, because... Mm-hmm. I, during my bodybuilding prep, was choosing to put myself through things that were hard and difficult in order to be able to reach a certain goal. But when it came to the cognitive behavioral therapy, I was choosing to do it because I wanted to get better, but it was throughout the whole process battling with what was ingrained in my mindset to be actually thinking otherwise. Like, Millie, you need to eat this much food every day. No, I don't want to. I'm scared. Millie, you're allowed to go and have all of this chocolate. No, I don't want to. I'm scared. Millie, look at your body and think good things about it. Oh, I can't see good things about it. And it was literally rewiring my brain. And that's what I think people do not kind of comprehend in terms of you you can't do it alone because I don't even think people know where to start. I would never have known where to start. No, and you also need that support. Like, you know how we message you and you're always there for us. And, you know, you've been like, I've come to you for training 
and you get it. You, you're an expert in that, which is why I've come to you. When women come to me, I get it. So when they're messaging me, a lot of the time it's wins, to be honest. But of course, we also have the safe space to share struggles. I get it. And I've been there. And there's nothing like someone who has not only been there and who gets it, but also has come out the other side and who is living the life that they want to live So support is so key. And also, I think with investing, like I used to be really scared to invest in myself. And I know you've spoke about this in your podcast, Millie. It's key because, yes, if anyone wants to start listening to my podcast, it's Break Free from Binge Eating with Victoria on any platform. There is so much free, valuable content there. And if you're committed, you could go through every single one of my podcasts and heal your relationship with food and your body. But you have got to be showing up and doing the work. And that's where when it's free, we don't put as much value onto that. So when you like stretch yourself, invest, you say you're saying yes to yourself, yes to the universe, like I'm ready, I'm willing to do this. And then you've got the support like one-to-one to get you there. So as you've said before, it's a fast track to get where you want to be. And especially in terms of like healing your relationship with food and your body, it's like the opposite to dieting. Dieting, in my opinion, is easy at first and it gets more difficult over time. This work If you have the courage to face this work and to face your demons and you will forever be free, it's really fucking hard at the beginning. I'm not even going to pretend it's not. It's hard because you're looking in the mirror, your body might be changing and the first thing you want to do is run back to the safety of dieting. Well, you can't diet anyway because you're stuck in the diet binge cycle. So that's not working for you. So trust the process of what we're going through. It's having the courage to do that. And it's hard at first, but it gets easier over time. Believe it or not, food can just be food. That's delicious and done. And your body can just be like, okay, so how's my body showing up today? Because you can eat your vegetables, you can go to the gym and your body's going to be whatever she's going to be. That's what I teach. Like it's being accepting your body and acceptance, of course, is the resist, is letting go of the fighting reality Body neutrality comes first, then body gratitude. Then we can look at body love and body positivity. But it's a process and it's not going to be anything quick fix. It's having the courage to delve into that. But I promise you, your whole life will be completely different. And you can still be fit and healthy. I'm living proof of that. And you can still hire a fitness coach and do all these things. It's not like you're going to get, you know, so big, you'll never be able to leave the house and no one will love you. There is a balance, but you've got to be courageous enough to start that journey. One thing that I want anyone who's listening to this podcast to do right now, if they're still hesitant, right, is to Mm. literally spend some time picturing yourself in the shoes of the person of who you'll be in three months time, in six months time or a year's time, if nothing changes. Who Mm. are you? How do you feel? What is your life like then? Because are you willing to put your life on hold just because you're too scared to let go of this goal of a body composition related goal for a temporary period of time? For Mm. some people, it might need to be forever. For you, Vic, it's been forever. You just focus on health. However, for me, it was temporary. For me, it was six months really that it took me to overcome things before I felt in a stable enough position to then be able to I didn't dive back into dieting but rather I focused on muscle growth and kind of getting stronger it was still related in terms of body composition though actually becoming comfortable enough to want to gain weight 
was phenomenal because I'd never been in that position before. But going back to what I said, are you willing to be in the place where you will picture yourself to be in a year's time if nothing changes? And I think that's a really kind of poignant note that we can leave people to think about. Yeah, because if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? And with Einstein's famous quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And as you so wisely say, Millie, you're not, what do you say about taking action? It's not what you say you're going to do. It's what you actually do. Yeah. You are what you you do, not what you say or do. Yes. So if you're listening and you do think that, okay, my relationship with food is not in a good place. I really feel like I would benefit from getting support and help around this. Something needs to, there's no, it's no good being like, that was a really inspiring episode. Like I, I know more now. You need to take the action from that to actually embody what you've learned and heard today and implement that in your life. Else no, nothing's going to change. Yeah, absolutely. And so we really hope that this has at least inspired you guys to understand that we have been where you are. If you are someone who's listening to this and is struggling with the things that we've spoken about and also taking that step outside of your comfort zone, because I, I still vividly remember talking about my binge eating and reaching out for help was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do, even actually acknowledging that it was an issue. But I would literally not be where I am today, helping mm. hundreds of people over my time of being a coach to be happier and healthier, had I not just had that first chapter of where I learned from someone. And so not only has it transformed my life, but it's allowed me to empower hundreds of people. And it's exactly the same for Vic. So it could literally be the best decision that you make of this whole year and of your life. Yeah, it's a gift what's happened to you and I and every one of you listening. You have your own story, all the hardships you've come you've come through. That's a gift because now you get to help others do the same, whether you decide to start your own business and do what me and Millie do, whether you just help people and inspire people that you talk to, what you're going through right now, even if you're in the midst of it, when you come out the other side, because you will, if you want to, I believe in you before you believe in yourself. That's one of my superpowers. You can help others. So think of it from a bigger picture, like from the me to the we, when I'm going through something that's really difficult, I now say to myself, you know what, when I've overcome this, not if, when I get to fucking help people do the same. And it's really hard right now, but I know I'm going to get through it. And then I have an even more depth of wisdom to help somebody else in my, in my way, the way I share There's nothing new under the sun, but it's the way someone will say something that just lands with you. And that's the whole point in being human and building relationships is what it's all about. You're not alone, basically. Yeah, amen to that. It's literally a nice little kind of summary of the the title of my favorite book, The Obstacle is the Way, because every single obstacle that we encounter is the way for us to becoming better humans in strength in being able to help others more knowledgeable so every single time I encounter an obstacle whether I make a mistake or whether it's something that's going that I'm going through a tough experience in my life it is the way that I will come out stronger and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what I want everyone to really feel empowered by and I can't explain Vic how grateful I am to you for joining me and for this incredible episode I'm not gonna lie it's definitely been one of my favorites so far so I think this is really really going to transform the lives of others 
if they do what we've asked and they actually take the action that they need to, to help themselves. And so I want to um, allow you Vic a nice space to talk about your incredible podcast, all the incredible work that you offer, because it's really, really valuable. And I want a lot of people to, to head over to your page and follow you for your inspirational work. Thank you, Millie. I appreciate that. And it's been an honor and a privilege. I mean it to be here with sharing this space with you. Anyone can find me. It's Victoria Kleinsman, and I'm sure Millie will obviously link everything below. That's on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. My website is victoriakleinsman.com. On my website, I have, um, you can access the first three modules of my paid Food and Body Freedom Queen program. And there's a free support group in there as well. So definitely go and check that out. And also DM me. Like I, I have a VA that helps me with some stuff, but I personally am always at the end of my emails and DMs because I think I am my brand, as are you. People want to connect with you. So DM me, reach out to me with a question and I will more than happily respond and help you. But it's been a pleasure. And I hope that, that people will take away from this podcast that number one, you're not alone. Number two, in a weird way, um, this is a good thing that you're stuck in this right now, because when you overcome it, you'll be stronger, wiser, and you'll also be able to help others. So, so much love to all of your listeners, Millie. And thank you for this conversation. Oh, how lucky I am, Vic, to just have you in my life, to work with you every single week. You are just a ray of absolute sunshine. So thank you so much. Um, and as Vic has said, any questions, anything that you guys need, drop us a DM, you know, anything. We are literally here to help and chat through because we've been through it all. So thank you so much, everyone who has joined in, joined in, tuned in. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you in the next one. Much love to everyone.